Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. The Blue Collar BS podcast helps blue collar business owners like you build a business that will thrive for decades to come by turning that blue collar BS into some blue collar business solutions. In this episode, you're going to learn the impact of being incomplete, recognizing your problems, what happens to IQ in fight or flight, and words and emotional connections matter. Our guest today is Dave Goodall, a Gen X tech guy who has learned neuroscience is a game changer. Change your brain, change your life. We hope you enjoy this show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Blue Collar BS. Today, Mr. Doyle is experiencing some technical difficulties, and I expect him to join our show here shortly. I'm Brad, and I am here with an awesome guest that I was able to meet through some mutual connections, Mr. Dave Goodall. He and his organization actually take neurosciences, <laughs> takes neurosciences and common sense to help folks in the blue-collar world to understand that people are important, and it's not just swinging the hammer. It's about doing all the other shit to get people motivated to swing the hammers, etc. cetera. So, uh, Dave, welcome back, and I blew that up tremendously (laughs) it's linguistics language patterns but it's okay no thank you for having me today i'm I'm excited to be here i am super excited to talk with you as well because we met pre-show for a kind of a one-on-one a while ago and uh you got some really cool stuff going on but in order to uh keep the tone of the show here i'm going to ask steve's first question and uh, question is what generation are you part of and do you most identify with? And they could be the same. They might be different. Don't know. Generation X, man. Latch key at four or five years old. Walk to school by myself. <laughs> All by yourself. Uphill both ways in the snow, yeah. right? No, it's funny. I mapped it out this week. I had another client and they were going 4K. And I was like, I was four years old when I started kindergarten. I met two girls across the street and we walked 0.9 miles to the elementary school when I was four years old. And I was like, who would let someone do that today? Nobody. <laughs> True. And and that's part of why we have what we have today, right? We reap, reap what we sow. Dave, how did you get into this, the neuroscience and language programming and words matter and all those fun things? How'd that, how'd that come across your life? Yeah. So I've got an electrical engineering degree. So I spent 22 years in IT, engineering, computer science with voice over IP. I, was, I built multi-million dollar service contracts and a lot of consulting and when I was 33 years old, I was fat, miserable, in a marriage with two daughters. My oldest daughter was 
late diagnosed with autism at the age of nine. And wow. I, I realized that even though I was grew up dyslexic, so I was neurodiverse, whatever the hell that means, I started down this path of how do we fix our brain? And I stumbled across neuroscience and neuroplasticity and thoughts, feelings, actions. And I learned that all my misery was because of my best thinking that I had acquired at the age of 33. And then when someone kind of showed me that, hey, there's this path, you can adjust your thinking, which will adjust your emotions, will adjust the actions you take or no longer take, that you can create an amazing life. So I went down the path and getting certified in neurolinguistics and hypnosis, and I've leveraged it with my children, with myself, with my family. And now I leverage it on these blue collar, amazing business owners that have this craft and this gift, but sometimes get in their own thoughts, patterns that block them from the successes that they deserve. We all have our own head trash. And uh, somehow you got to figure out how to take that shit out and throw it by the wayside. Yeah. And what's the shitty part is too often we recycle. Yeah. Right. So how do you keep your clients from recycling and just throw it away and get rid of it? Well, there's a, I, I went and got certified with Dr. Matt James, who was the son of Tad James. And Tad James was the right hand man to Tony Robbins through all that development. So Dr. Matt went back to the University of Indiana and got his PhD in psychology the process he called mental emotional release, otherwise known as MER. So a lot of my clients will do an MER process, basically stir the pot, stir all the, the garbage. And, and you're a, a good pot stirrer, aren't you? And we just poke <laughs> buttons and stir the pot and then just really get to the truth. Well, it's funny. I call it truths. We all have truths, right? There's this, and there's an S at the end of that. And basically what that means is there's, there's this foundation of truth, what is really true. And that S is that bullshit story we added to make it fit our narrative, right? right. So I spend time poking the bear, poking, poking holes in their S to realize that that shit that they attached to what's real is no longer serving them. And then we just go through processes. And then as we stay in the consulting role and we go through and we start rolling out processes and integrating systems in their business, if it pops its head, we circle right back to where it was and give them the opportunity to change it. So it's, it's repetition. You, you basically just play whack-a-mole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey, I need to go to my son's soccer game tonight, but I got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, Hey, don't you have three foremen? Can't you create a process? But, but you know, it takes so much time. I'm like, okay, well then what you're telling me is it's more important to hold it in your head than get to your, your son's soccer game. So if that's your story, then live that story. And when your wife's bitching at you tonight, it's on you. Okay. <laughs> but that's the game we play, right? Well, a lot of it is just clarity and communication, right? Um, one of the things I do with my business owners, is we sit down and we identify their values as the owner, right? The one that's going to be doing the hiring and delegating. What, where I find most owners are in conflict is when they hire people outside of their value realm and they stomp the hell out of the values and they're always pissed off. So as an owner, once you know your values and you can sit down and communicate to the, the teams... And then you can figure out what motivates these team members, right? What do they need to stay in the game and, and motivated? We did a, a role with a client a few weeks ago, and I think I shared this with you, Brad. We had, I have an office manager, oh no, business owner, multi-million dollar business owner, and he's got two women in the office, kind of one does the estimating and office management and two women in the office, they were butting heads and bitching up at him nonstop. And I said, hey, bro, what, why don't we pull them into a room together, go to the whiteboard and have them list out their top five deliverables that they, they're required to do every week. And if, you know, go as long as they want and then negotiate. And so he just sat back and allowed them to negotiate some roles and responsibilities. And it's like, well, I hate doing this. Well, I'll do that for you. And then all of a sudden they started negotiating on who would handle that, what, and now we've got productivity increase. 
So a long answer to your question is when you're bringing these Gen Zs, millennials, when they're coming in, if you're specific and clear on what you what tasks you need them to complete, and they can tell you what what they love to do, what they hate to do, maybe you can reallocate some of their hate tasks off to someone else and vice versa. It's just delegating and realigning those roles and responsibilities. But at the end of the day, there's a bare minimum. And I've seen this along a lot of the clients I've worked with. Here's the bare minimum deliverables. If you can't show up at 7.30 a.m. and be ready for the morning huddle, you you don't work here. Right. You know, and you know, the third time the guy showed up, it's like, you're no longer working here. If you don't see it important to not waste everybody's time, that's a deliverable. We can't not function without it. Goodbye. Go home. Right. That is, uh, yeah, that, that setting those minimum expectations for results are, are very, very key. And that's a lot of the, uh, some of the e-myth stuff and things like that. Um, I guess I want to go back to your statement, Dave, on values as the business owner. When you're working with your clients, have you, how do you go through when the business owner's values are one thing, but the organizational values, because of the culture that the team members have created, are different? How do you work with them to get those things in alignment or get them realigned to eliminate that conflict and tension? Yeah, it's it's funny. It's, it's stair steps, right? So the business owner, depending on how big your company is, right? The business owner would usually have three people in his inner circle, right? Whatever that is, three to five people. So typically the leader would have a value system and, and the inner circle would understand what his or her values are so they right. know how to respect and fulfill what he needs. Now, you're going to have other deliverables on the outskirts of people that are swinging hammers and cutting saws and, and welding and pay, whatever. Right. As long as whoever's leading that, that team, as long as that leader is able to express his values to that team, and vice versa, then there can be a gentleman's agreement of recording a, according to how we're going to get the job done. So it's like the owner's values don't need to, they kind of need to seep down all the way into the trenches, but not to a point where if Bob's showing up at 745 and he's supposed to be there at 730, but the foreman manager doesn't care because Bob stays late every day, then that's between them. As long as the job's right. getting done and I can send my invoices and collect my payment, I'm okay as the business owner, right? right. So it's, it's just, it's got to filter down. That communication's got to be consistent. The bare minimum um, deliverables need to be discussed and fulfilled. And if not, there's got to be consequences. Okay. And I guess one of the things I would ask here as well is, what do you find to be the, as you work with different leaders across the generations, as we try to identify different things here, do you see a consistency across the generations of of issues or are each generation kind of dealing with different shit along the way that has to create some different activities just because of life in general, right? Our different experiences are different narratives are different opportunities. Like you said before, right? You were walking nine tenths of a mile at five years old with two girls in hand. You, you dog, you, um, <laughs> right. Whereas everybody else is catered to school, they take Uber, they get dropped off or whatever it might be. Are you seeing differences? Really? I, you know, again, I usually when I go into a business, a blue collar business, and we work with the owner, we really understand that they're usually passionate about something. Right. And, and usually when we quickly identify people that aren't contributing to meet his or her passion, we start putting accountability measures. And what right. I've learned, it's natural human nature to want to be a part of a tribe, right? We want yep. to contribute and we want to be re rewarded for our contribution, right? Correct. 
So, I mean, across the generations, the different reward types could be different. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with a sales team where I've got a guy on a sales team doesn't care about the money. So we have to find the reward system. I mean, everybody cares about money, but that's not his motivator. Right. So we have to find yep. other means of motivation. I, I think once you put the accountability measures in and they know how they win and then they get rewarded on their win, whether it's verbal accolades in front of the tribe or whatever it is, I'm finding those people will either step up or step out. You know, you either have those people that want to contribute, want to participate, or people that want to hide. And what right. we've done is put account accountability measures so the hiders find a way to leave, which right. is good. That, that self-selection <laughs> process makes life very easy for everybody. And, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of my business owners are like, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to fire anybody. Great. Let's get a top 10 list of accountability measures. And when they feel that it's too hard, they're going to leave themselves. And that way you don't have to fire them. Either they step up and they perform and they get what they wanted or they step out. Right. The step in or step out piece is what's important along the way because that yeah. is uh, that's the critical critical opportunity that often the owners fear losing people, right? Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid because we can't find good people. We can't find anybody who wants to work. And John shows up, you know, three days a week, and that's better than no days a week. So, but yet here we are, and you're complaining about it again, week after week after week. How much time are we wasting on this dude? You know what I mean? How much of that do you take it home to your to your wife and kids pissed off, right? You know, over and over and over right. again. And it's like, what do you come on, man? It's not that hard. Let's just And it's funny, I can't tell you how many situations where we've kind of pushed someone out. He's that the owner, he or she has taken those deliverables, reallocated across the team with a little bump in pay. And now it's getting done. The team members are happy because now they're making a little extra coin. And now we're not talking about this crap on a weekly basis. Right. And it's not an issue for everybody else. I had a um, networking partner that had a cancer, you know, cancer employee and listened to him for years and years and years. I'm like, dude, just you got to pull the trigger. You got to go have the things happen. You just need to go create that stuff. And they finally pulled the trigger and they go, yeah, I should have done this three years ago when we talked about it. Yes, you should have. And you would have had a much, you would have been that much further along. And not that you want to get rid of people. That's not the intent of of a business, but when things aren't aligned and the results aren't being delivered, you need to do what's best yeah. for both parties because you as a leader, recognizing you're not doing that person any justice at all by walking on shells or you know, treating them differently because they're not doing the same same work or level yeah. of expectations. You're not you're not serving them at all. No, you're not. And that's actually it's, you know, I saw a TikTok the other day. It's like you know, if a true friend is a friend, we'll call you out on your bullshit. The friend that will just celebrate your continued bullshit is not a true friend because they're not holding you accountable. Correct. Right. And, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, when I work with these business owners, I'm like, are, are you in the business of making money? Like, and not why we're here? And, you know, and when we start going over P&L analysis and we're looking at revenue generated and cost analysis and profit margin per job. And I'm like, that guy took him six hours and the guy next to him took him two hours. If you're looking at capacity and cost per like per job, like you still want to make money and you want to have good margins, you know, and I've got business owners that are settling for six and 7% margins when we should be doing 12 to 18, right? I'm like, you're trying to create generational wealth. You're the one taking the risks and you're letting one guy influence six other guys. Yes. And, and that, it's awesome that you're making those, helping them understand that 
there's a reason that you're in business. It's not to do the thing that you, it's not to go build the house or drain the pipes or do those things. It's to put money in your pocket at the end of the day. Yeah. And and making that connection and doing those industry comparisons yeah. are massively important. I have one client who is in uh small manufacturing doing countertop work and things like that and we compare it to the industry. The industry's got this hodgepodge of stuff, but the industry average is like 6% net and it's like no she's like that's all i'm like no no that, that's that's a hodgepodge of a lot of things because it's a very niche market and we don't have enough data but in general this is where people are at and if you're double that triple that you're going to be in a great spot controlling your overhead and doing those things and getting your employees motivated are massively important and she's an amazing leader i'm i'm so grateful that what she's going to accomplish is going to be amazing yeah, and it's in a circle back to that too. And you talk about the neuroplasticity and the neuroscience is we all have money stories, you know. And it's it's funny kind of what you said, you know, when I try to remind our business owners, I said, we're in the business of making money. Building homes or building signs or laying concrete or interior walls, that might be the way with which we make it. But at the end of the day, that might be stuff you enjoy and the creativity and you're working with your hands and that's just your passion. But we also need to be aware of you're not only feeding your family, but if you got a team of 20, you're feeding their families. Well, so, and you're, and you're feeding the families of all your suppliers and your stuff, right? Exactly. That, that ripple effect, that ripple effect of that one business having that much impact is it's, it's massively important. And the better you treat yourself, the better you treat your employees, the better you treat your customers, the better you treat your suppliers, the better it's all going to be for everybody because your customers are going to feel loved and, and satisfied. And it's yeah. just a, it's an evolution and you create this self-fulfilling prophecy of goodness. But it's funny. I, I can't tell you how many owners that have these money stories where money to money's a negative thing. I'm like, well, I'm not here to just make money. I'm like, I, I get that, but we are. <laughs> and, and a lot of the beginning is that head trash you're talking about is that money story of hearing mom and dad. Well, money doesn't grow on trees, especially the Gen Xers. We got hand me down everything, right? I probably got hand me down underwear. I don't know. But well, I, remember, I remember my tough, my tough skin jeans from Sears, right? Right. Me too. Would, day day one at school, you're out in the asphalt parking lot and you're playing kickball and you slide in the second base so you didn't get hit by the ball or not miss it or whatever and come on with a hole in your pants. Like, what did you do? In yeah. comes the, you know, the, the, the uh, iron on patch over the, <laughs> over the knee hole. It's like, oh man. <laughs> but what I love is when you, you know, you start a, a relationship with a client and they're making like 2 million. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about growing. I just need to get everything kind of clean and organized. And we start building out the infrastructure, setting up deliverables. And then you're two years down the road and they're like, dude, we're going to do $6.2 million this year. How the hell did we do that? Right. Like you just built the infrastructure, you built the systems, you got the crap off your plate. You found out what you wanted to do and what you love to do. You know, I got some of these guys that are owners and they still love to hand paint and do all the, the cool stuff. I'm like, yes, make great your business. So you, when those projects come in, you can do that. Right. But a lot of them have this guilt and shame around money and the story. And it's like, well, I have to be the boss and the leader and the bad guy. And it's like, no, stop. Let's back up, get that head trash out, and just really figure out what it is you love about your business, what you want to do, and let's get the rest of the crap off your plate. Yeah, that is so important to find out those passions, find out the what are you really excellent at, and let's focus on your excellence yeah. and figure out the things you're not good at and find the other people that can do those things so you don't have to learn how to do them. Yeah. Let's find the who to do them, right? That's why the, the who, not how book is so important to have in everybody's bookshelf, right? Right. 
It, and it's it, everybody should read that book, the who, who, not how, because it, it's it changes that mindset and puts that in perspective of, yeah, I, I don't have to do everything. Oh, I don't. And, no, you don't. And it's funny because I, I spent 22 years in the IT world and all that. So everything was email. I was when email was invented. I hate email with a passion. So I tell all my clients, here's my cell phone. Text me. I don't read email. Because emails to me aren't important. If it's important, you'll text me. And the people that have my phone number are important to me. So emails to me. No, I'm not I, important to you, Dave. <laughs> what you're to say? Yeah, I'm I think you do have you. my phone. I think you do have my cell phone. But you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> it's just one of those things that I've just created. I just have this communication. I spent 22 years buried in email. I hate it. If it's important, text me and we'll hop on a call. And that's yeah. the other thing, Generational X, right? It's like, Dude, can we not text back and forth for 20 minutes? Because first of all, I can't see the damn keyboard anymore. My typing's right. horrendous. And we can wrap this up in a two-minute conversation. Exactly. I've got a client that it's like text after text. It's like, can you just pick up the goddamn phone? Just pick up the phone. It's not that hard. Right. It's like, and it's on. funny. I, my daughter plays fast pitch travel softball. So we're, I, we're often on a three-hour drive somewhere across the States. And I'll have a client text me. And I'm just – and I just – we text back maybe once or twice, and then I call. I'm like, "You're calling me," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in a car for three hours. I got nothing better to do. What do you want? What do you need to know?" And, right. and we'll just we'll solve it in ten minutes. You know, it's like I can't do this while texting in the car. It doesn't work. No, uh, most most highway patrol don't like that. <laughs> I tend not to like that, and that sets a very bad example for your daughter. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no matter how much talk to text gets, the talk to text still doesn't uh, doesn't do shit uh, properly either. So. Um, so the neuro linguistics, I <laughs> got it this time you got um, it. and the science part of it and all those things, what do you get most geeked out about when it works? Yeah. So if you, if you break it down, neuro is the brain, the neuro neurology, right. And linguistics is language and uh, neuro linguistic programming is what does our language patterns dictate our thoughts in our brain. So every time we speak a word, it triggers an emotion, which triggers an action. So a lot of times I've just been trained to listen to people's language patterns so I can regurgitate it back and be like, hey, when you say this, this, and this, this is what these words mean. What do you think your unconscious is feeling right now when you're speaking that way? So they could be happy as a jaybird, but their language pattern shows a lot of anger or frustration or victimhood. So what I learned on my journey is our conscious mind, which is only 5% of our daily functionalities, our goal setter. Right. Our unconscious, our internal programming is the goal getter. So if it's like, I'm going to go chase this $50,000 job, but internally you've already told yourself you only worth 35, there's a conflict between here and the heart, right? The I brain and writing, the heart. <laughs> I hate writing proposals. Sometimes I hate writing proposals, you know, but it's, it took a long time going to, to be able to put those numbers on a piece of paper right? and say, okay, that's, it, it is a journey. It is a struggle. And People need yeah, to understand. So I get geeked out. Like I said, I had a client that's like, hey, we're making $2 million. We're good. It's not about money. I don't care about money. And then he's like, holy crap, what did we do? We're, we're on run rate of probably 5.8 this year. Like, yeah, I said, but money didn't matter. But that was your unconscious programming from three years ago and through conversations and systems integrations. Now you're coming to me going, how soon can we get to 10? What right. infrastructure do we need to put in place to make that happen? Right. It's just that shift. Once you believe, and it's just like what you said, you know, I was selling 18 and $20 million service contracts and then going on my, on my own, I'm like, you know, that first $60,000 contract, you're like, am I worth that? Like, that's our head trash, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? So, but once you break the mold, then you're like, okay, then, then, the, then that becomes a new normal, right? And that, 
that's kind of, I think the question you're asking is getting those owners through their head trash to create a new normal. Once the new normal, you rep that a couple of times. You're like, oh, well, I yep. can raise the bar again. I can raise the bar again. Right. Small, it's, small, that 1% improvement over time, over time, maybe you take a jump and you go 15% improvement, whatever it is. But that just that continuous movement forward is is so critical yeah. to the long term. And it's system. funny because I work with a lot of endurance athletes too. We have I've do with some psychology, some anchoring and, and hypnosis through that stuff. But what's neat is my business owners are no different than high performance athletes. You know, they're the ones taking the risk. They're the ones doing the training. You know, I've got clients getting up at 4:30 in the morning. They might take a nap at 11 a.m. for 30 minutes, but they're up at 4:30 doing work, run home, come back. Like it's, they, they're just these endurance athletes and how they approach life and looking for that coaching and that improvement and, and how to get better and then how to dele delegate that out to their teams. So for our listening audience out there right now, that's typically going to be our, our audience, typically a millennial audience, 50-50 um, mix, male, female, likely in some sort of blue collar work. What would be the two or three things that you would want to let them know these are the things they could start now to create a difference. Awesome. Yeah. So I think the number one foundation of anxiety, overwhelm, and stress is being incomplete. It's, it's really hard for us Gen Xers because we were born in a generation without phones, you know, email and stuff that's always incomplete. But when, whenever I do a workshop, the first thing we do is we pull out a Google sheet and we just personal life business life. And we list out all the crap that's, that's up in our brain <laughs> that we haven't put down on paper, like cutting the grass, washing the car, painting the room, finishing the back porch, like putting in a new roof on whatever crap at home that you haven't gotten to. And you're just ignoring it, pushing it in the corner, get it down on paper. And when you're done with that, do the same thing in your business. It's like, well, I haven't followed up on that marketing guy, or I haven't pushed this campaign yet, or I hadn't paid... Get all the stuff down if there's a problem or a virus person in your in your business. List out all these deliverables to do's that you haven't put down on paper because what's happening is it's churning in the conscious unconscious and it feels heavy, but and then you come in with overwhelm, but you don't even know what it's att attached to. So if I tell everyone, get it down on paper, step two is circle the top three that you can make a positive impact on within the next five days and then go do it. The, number, the big thing is, is people don't use pen to paper. I mean, actually, pen to paper is the best. I've got a client. He's yes. got, can't tell you, I mean, yellow legal pads. I mean, the millennials, it's hard for them to pull out a piece of paper and write with a pen. But there's something about that kinesthetic tactile that leaves a message of, of creating those lists and figuring out how to do it. Vastly important. That that PK side of it is is really, really important. Yeah. But that right there is because, you know, it allows you to see what the problems are, where that overwhelm is, and it kind of helps you get to a point where you can see a path of getting clear and getting complete, right? So that's step one. And then just recognizing, you know, when there's a problem, you know, I'll get biblical real quick. You know, if you ask God for strength, he'll hand you problems. Uh, what most of our generation is when there's a problem, then we, we make an unconscious decision that, well, it's not in the cards for me. No, you asked for an outcome. Here's the problem for you to get through, to get to the other side, to get what you want. You don't have the muscles to accept what you're asking for yet. So step right. two would be start to look at the problems you're experiencing and how many of them are you repeating because you're not learning the lesson. Again, we never we don't take the time and write out the problems we're experiencing and what would be the simple solution to those problems. I love I, I love that. Not learning the lesson. Repeat the problem because you're not learning the lesson. Dude, how often do you like again? 
again so, again <laughs> yeah yeah so i do a lot i'm a golfer right so we our statement that we use within our foursome is you can't fix stupid right uh, we do the same shit over and over and over again it's, like, it's not the ball just sits there it does nothing it's not moving anywhere how can this be that hard but it yeah. is <laughs> and then step three is i always break everything down into energy so there's two basic types of energy which is anabolic or creative or growth oriented type energy and that's created through our thoughts feelings and emotions and then there's a catabolic fight or flight energy fight or flight here's a gotcha that none of us are taught when we're in a fight or flight state we lose 85 percent of our iq we get stupid so and then start to keep a, a journal of if we asked i bet you if we asked police officers that they would agree with that wholeheartedly Stupid, stupid. Like, I mean, how many times have you been late for something and you can't find your car keys and you're running out of the house and they're on the counter the whole time, but I can't find my keys and you're getting more and more pissed off and like, and they're right there the whole time. You know, it's just when we get in that fight or flight state, and this is one of the reasons if you look at the Navy SEAL training and the the Army Rangers, you know, they put in sleep deprivation, they shoot rubber bullets over their head. They're, They're getting them in those fight or flight states so they can normalize it so they can problem solve and develop solutions while under stress. Um, a lot of us, you know, the helicopter generations, the parents never allowed the kids to develop the muscles to think through stressful environments. So right. step three is, is start to witness and recognize when you're in those fight or flight states and what's the trigger. of it. If you can get the trigger, then you can find what the, what the growth opportunity is and get out on the other side. Okay. Cool. That was three quick ones. I hope that wasn't too much, but uh, no, no, those are those are fantastic, and those are great bits to understand because there's there's a lot to unpack there. So yeah, um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and hear more or engage more or find out how to maybe uh, get you and their team in a workshop or whatever it might be, where do people find you? Because uh, obviously we all don't have your cell phone number to text you. Apparently that's a- <laughs> That's the mode of operation, but I don't know that we want to put that out there as yeah, a general well, statement. But. Next to my name down there is tapmental.io. That is my website. We do have a click button on the website, which does book calls with members of our team. Uh, most of the time, you'll probably get me on a Zoom call, but we'll, we'll spend 30 minutes together figuring out who you are, what's going on, and see if there's a way that we can help. And if not, we've got tons of resources across the industry that we can point you to someone to get you the exact help you need. That is spectacular. Um, Dave, thank you so much for being on today, sharing some great tips and insight and just being an awesome human being. <laughs> thank uh, supporting, you. Supporting an industry that needs that support to be better, be better leaders to attract and retain younger talent. So thank yeah. you so much for what you do. Thank you for having me. It, it's a The need for these these businesses is astronomical. So we we have to find a way to keep our grassroots uh, alive because, I mean, we need these businesses desperately. Yep, we do. Uh, thank you again so much, Dave. Have a thank great you, Brad. Thanks day. for having All me. Right? Yeah, thank you much. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.